Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. very happy to have as my Song of the Soul guest today, Adam Kirby. I met Adam at a local worker-owned cooperative called Just Local Food, and along with another shopper, we fell into a deep and satisfying sharing around our spiritual paths. I was especially intrigued because Adam is, to my knowledge, the only Rastafarian in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. He's a warm and delightful man, and I am so glad he agreed to be my guest today for Song of the Soul. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. Did you run right over here from Just Local Food, or were you working today? Yeah, I just got off of Just Local Food. How long have you been working for Just Local Food? They've got some important and really exciting changes ahead, don't they? Yeah, I started with Just Local Food at the end of October 2007, and this summer, uh, because of the Eau Claire County Jail expansion, we're having to move, and we're going to move across the river closer to downtown and closer to the YMCA, and we're looking forward to the move and the expansion, too. It's exciting what's happening there with Just Local Food. I'll ask you a little bit more about that as we go on. I want to get into your background, Adam. You're not a Wisconsinite native-born. You're not uh, native to this kind of winter, are you? No, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, where we don't have any winter compared to Wisconsin whatsoever. (laughs) So this has been an exciting winter for me, to say the least. Did you find yourself putting on a lot of, like, cheese fat or something to help insulate? Yeah, all the the extra fats I could get in this winter, I I definitely, definitely enjoyed. (laughs) You grew up down in Phoenix. 
tell me about your background there. Family, you got family, you got religion. Uh, what did you do down there, and what brought you north? I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, that's where the, my most of my family was the majority of my life. Although my dad and my stepmother, they moved to Oregon, and they bought a small farm, and I was hoping to, one, move away from Phoenix because I didn't like living there very much, but also I wanted to move somewhere where I could live on a farm and hopefully begin farming as well. Although Oregon didn't work out very well for me, that's why I chose Wisconsin because land's a lot cheaper. And also my girlfriend Beth is, is from Wisconsin. She's from Sand Creek. And so we're moving back to her home was part of the reason that we, we decided to move to Wisconsin. Are you doing the farming thing right now? Or are you saving up for it? Or are you, how are you moving towards that? Uh, we're pursuing to buy a farm this summertime. Hopefully, anytime we could settle on a house this weekend, it's so soon, so... Yeah, we're, we're just going through a realtor, and we're talking to organic farmers around the area, see if they're interested in doing a partnership and those types of things. What about your religious background, Adam? What were you raised, and how did you move while you're progressing up to Oregon and to here? Well, I was raised in the Episcopalian faith, which is very similar to Catholicism. They, they took progressive steps to separate themselves, but I, I still wasn't comfortable as I got older to confirm myself in that faith. I went for a short time rejecting most religious faiths altogether while still searching out for the spiritual nature of things, which is in all things. I believe I confirmed myself as Rastafari uh, when I lived in Oregon, which is about three years ago now. I've been studying and practicing Rastafari for many years, actually, before that, just learning the different aspects of the faith because... I don't think of it as my religion. I still don't believe I practice a religion. I practice part of a progressive movement, faith-based movement, spiritual movement. And so I'm not held down by an established religion. We don't believe in establishment because anything that's established can be brought down, can also confine you. So that's kind of how I came to Rastafari. How did you make that leap, though? You were Episcopalian growing up, and I think you had a decent experience of some of that. How did you make the leap? What was the transition like? Well, the biggest influence, actually, I would say, was Bob Marley's music. His music is considered the gospel of Rastafari. A lot of his songs are hymns or psalms. And listening and studying to his music, I realized that it was something that what he was saying were things that I already believed in, were, were ideas that I already understood and had as my own but then his music and learning about other Rastafari people's music helped me put a name with what I believed already. And the Rastafari movement is something that progressed out of the other Abrahamic faiths that are out there. And so it wasn't a huge stretch for me to go from being a Christian to a Rasta because we still look at Christ as our king, only he's named Rastafari instead of Christ or Jesus. Did you make this connection while you were up in Oregon, or did you make it still while you were in Phoenix? Mostly while I was still in Phoenix. It wasn't until I moved to Oregon where I felt comfortable enough to really confirm myself in the faith and start saying, yes, I am Rastafari, instead of just saying, well, I, I believe these things, and they kind of fit in here and here. Let's talk about the music, because the music is what got you into Rasta. So uh, what's a good song to start out with as an example of the kind of music that was calling to you? Well, Positive Vibration from Bob Marley was 
very important song to me, still is a very important song to me, because it, it talks about the energies and vibrations that all people carry, all, all living things, I believe, carry an energy. And in Rasta, we believe that it's very important to keep these energies and vibrations as a positive thing. And so that's what the song is about. You know, I'm really pretty ignorant about Rasta, and so I'm really happy to have you educate me. You know, you could say positive things, you know, encourage them, negative things, discourage them. How would you view that as different than the Episcopalian encouragement you got? The encouragement as Episcopalian, I felt, was was very much... We had teachers in the faith that were trying to teach us specific things we had to believe in. In Rasta, we're told to read the Bible, take from it what we can, also read scriptures of other faith, and take from it whatever we can, and look within ourselves, find God within ourselves, and then bring those things together and then decide for ourselves what we believe. And so it's not, it's not as restricting and oppressive, I believe, as many other established faiths are. Are you saying that you're lacking the Ten Commandments, the things that you're not supposed to do for the most part? Absolutely not. The Ten Commandments and all those things, I believe, are, are built within yourself, within God, the part of you that's God. And I don't need a leader or somebody to tell me those things are important because those things are within me and those beliefs are, are controlling of me because I respect God within me. I guess maybe Bob Marley is singing of positive vibration. What are the kind of things that are positive vibration for you? What are the experiences, people, environments that, from your point of view, are raising up that positive vibration from the God within you? It's the love I experience every single day from people I meet. That is the positive vibration. It's the love that you express from one person to another. Let's listen to Bob Marley sing it. Positive Vibration is the song, and you're listening to Adam Kirby's Song of the Soul on this very fine spring going into summer day. Rastaman Vibration
Positive Vibration, Bob Marley, and we're talking here to Adam Kirby. Adam, when did Rastafarianism, when did it originate, and where did it originate? Real quick, just to kind of correct you, we don't think of it as Rastafarianism because we want to separate ourselves from other religious faiths like Catholicism, and we drop the isms on things, and we just call ourselves, I am Rastafari. I'm not a Rastafarian. I'm not a Rast- I don't believe in Rastafarianism. And so... I am Rastafari, I believe in Rastafari, and it started the exact day, I could tell you it started November 5th, 1930 was the day that Rastafari was crowned king and emperor of Ethiopia, crowned king of kings, lord of lords, the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah, as it speaks of in the book of Revelations in the Bible. That's the day it started. The movement truly started before then with freed African slaves in Jamaica, 
and a man called Marcus Garvey, who started a Back to Africa movement and became a very important man and a prophet in the Rasta faith. He himself was never confirmed Rasta, didn't teach religious aspects, but he taught for the African people in, West, in Western society to be proud of where they came from, taught the true history of black people because there was a lot of misinformation, and there is still a lot of misinformation about how things have come to be today. So are you saying it originated in Ethiopia, or are you saying it originated in Jamaica, or kind of between the two? The first person to ever start proclaiming that Rastafari is, was a Jamaican. He was a freed slave in Jamaica, but Rastafari himself was an Ethiopian who became king. The Queen of Sheba and King Solomon, they had a union, and Queen of Sheba moved back to Africa or Ethiopia at the time, and she had a son, and this son became king and heir to the throne of everything that was the throne of David's. Okay, so this goes back quite a ways. I mean, we're talking thousands of years in the past, and yet uh, more recently in Ethiopia, Rastafari is the king there. What happened with his kingship and what happened with Ethiopia then? In 1974, he was overthrown by the military and also the nobles in the country because he was progressive. He was very progressive. He was one of the first and probably the only king to give his people a constitution without the people forcing him to through bloodshed. But the military and the nobles at the time, in 1974, they still didn't feel like it was enough, and they overthrew him and really caused the worst two decades of Ethiopian history ever. It mentions in the song about Rastafari, who is the king, and you use this term, I think, kind of the same way that a lot of people would say Christ. Is this because it's like a reincarnation or it's the second coming? or it's How do most Rastafari think of it? Rastafari is the second coming of Christ. We believe that he is the rightful ruler of the world through the line of Solomon. We do believe also that this is the end of days that we're living in right now. But the Bible doesn't specifically say that. The book of Revelations is just a vision, and it's not set exactly how it's going to happen, we believe. And the end is really... New beginnings, it's not the end, the Armageddon, the, the explosion of the world. and It's also not brought on by God, and I think that's important to know, too, that we believe the end is brought on by ourselves, by mankind. We're destroying ourselves through pollution, through global warming, through nuclear war, possibly. In this song, African Unification, it talks about a vision of Africa like the United States, like, with the 54 or so countries that are part of Africa, that maybe they'd be a United States of Africa, just like there's United States of America. Was it also, uh, or is it also, a political movement? Is there a movement to bring the African nations together in that way? I would say Rastafari, the movement itself, we are strictly non-political and strictly don't deal in political ways. We think of everybody as our brother and our friend, and so you wouldn't deal politically with people. But as far as Africa being united, there's a lot of tribal wars or wars in between countries going on in Africa, and there has been for a very long time, because a great part and because of colonialism, and they really split the people up and drew new lines in Africa, basically, <laughs> where, where borders were, and they need to be unified with each other instead of fighting against each other to survive. It's just vital. Israel Vibration does the song. It's called African Unification. 
and it's part of Adam Kirby's Song of the Soul today on Northern Spirit Radio. Yeah, yeah. 
that was African Unification by a group called Israel Vibration. And in case you didn't notice, it includes within it what you might call paraphrases, certain very clear references to the Bible, Psalms and Matthew and Luke. You said, Adam, that you study your Bible, you read your Bible. Is this common? Is this a very typical part of being Rastafari? Well, the truth is I do read my Bible, but not all Rastas read their Bible because there's quite a bit of corruption within the Bible and certain books that were chosen and passed on and certain books that were left out. And also the way that things were written quite often are corrupt and give people the idea, certain ideas or, or certain beliefs that, that contradict other certain beliefs that are already within the Bible also. And so some Rastas completely reject the Bible, and some, some Rastas just use it as a guidance tool. Are there any accepted writings of Rasta that Rastafarians as a whole can identify and say, yeah, that's uh, our essential writings. You you mentioned the songs are kind of that body, maybe. The songs are very much so, uh, but also there's a book called the Keber Nagast, which means the glory of the kings. And this Keber Nagast actually is, is the book that we look to to explain how the lifeline of Rastafari came to be through King Solomon. It tells the story of the Queen of Sheba. Okay, and this book goes back how far or where is it, or is it published in a lot of languages? How, how can I get a hold of it? <laughs> well, I had to do quite a bit of searching myself to get a hold of it. There's a copy of it. It's called the Cabernet Gas, and it's also under another name, which is the Queen of Sheba and her only son, Menelik. I'm pronouncing it incorrectly, I'm quite sure. But anyways, her first son is Solomon's first son as well. The book was compiled by a Christian missionary who went to Ethiopia, I believe, in the probably second or third century and put this compilation of stories together. And it got thrown out and discarded. When, when new kings came into power in Ethiopia, they would basically rewrite the history as how they wanted it to be viewed. And so a lot of times literature that we believe to be the truth is a lot of the times just some person's point of view. And so this book has been hidden, and it's come back to the surface, and just recently, I think within the past 100 years, it's begun to be translated out of Amharic, which is the Ethiopian language, and then translated into French and into English and, and different languages from there. Well, let's get some more ideas about what Rastafari is. Because that's the next song that you chose for us, right? What is Rastafarias? Who's it by? What's the message? And why did you choose to include this in your Song of the Soul, Adam? Rastafari is is by Peter Tosh, who is a very important Rasta. The song is about, well, it's kind of just a chant. It's like a chant or a hymn like you would find in the Bible, just saying that Rastafari is, and Rastafari is Lord of Lords and Savior. Is the Rastafari, is that... You know, there's some people who it seems to be very central to their faith, the name that they choose, Yahweh or Jehovah, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, or the Rastafari or Allah. They say this is the, the proper name for Christ, for God, for the Holy Exalted One. How central is this to Rasta to identify the name? I mean, is there something special about the name? There is something special about the name. 
Ross Tafari was born Tafari Makonin. When he grew to become of age to become prince or Ross, he was given the title Ross and then called Ross Tafari, which directly translated means prince of men. And then when he actually eventually takes the throne, he's given the name Emperor Haile Selassie I, which means power of the Holy Trinity. And so there's lots of, lots of importance in Rastafari as far as the movement's concerned in the words that you use. We call God Jah, which is sort of taken from Jehovah. And then we say Jah Rastafari as an expression of our faith, as an expression of, of just holiness of what Rastafari is. Peter Tosh performing it. You might tell the folks who Peter Tosh is, since I didn't know before you told me, Adam. Well, Peter Tosh was one of the original whalers of Bob Marley and the Whalers. He split off in the later days because he was a very well-accomplished artist already, and he deserved to be able to write and have his own freedom of expression, his own outlet for music. Bob Marley was so well thought of that he a lot of times didn't get the play that he deserved, and so he, he broke off. And he was one of the originals and actually was mentor to Bob Marley before Bob Marley became so well-known. You mentioned that you were confirmed or that confirmation of some sort was maybe part of being Rastafari. Tell me about how that works. Well, in Rastafari, to confirm yourself, is that's what you do, is you just say out loud to people or to yourself that, now I am Rastafari because ceremonies can mean lots of different things, but God knows what's in your heart, and so that's all that really matters is to confess to God and to yourself that that's what you are, that's what you believe. If a person just you know, bleeped out Rastafari, if he didn't ever hear that, how would I identify a person as Rastafari? What would be essential to identifying the lifestyle and beliefs of someone who is Rasta? 
certain lifestyle changes that I made when I became Rasta was I started growing my beard and I started growing my hair and putting my hair and my beard into dreadlocks or just allowing them to grow naturally. And it's partially because of the, of the idea of the rejection of vanity and we believe that vanity corrupts your soul and, and causes you to have desires that you don't need, that you don't really want. It pulls your soul from yourself. It's also a rejection of people who who expect you to look professional, of people who, who are in the army maybe because they have to have their hair cut a certain way, and this is the exact opposite. I consider myself a dreadlock Rastafari, but not all Rastafaris are dreadlock Rastafaris. Some don't necessarily grow their hair long and wear dreadlocks or a beard. I do because I believe it helps to keep me rooted in my faith. But what's important is what's in your heart, not what's on your head. Are there any other outward acts that one could recognize Rastafari as? Or you say, you're Rasta, therefore this is part of your life. Also, we, we eat a certain way. We, we eat what's called idol foods, which are, it's mostly just vegetarian foods. Some Rastas are completely vegan because the Ethiopian Orthodox Christian Church, which Rastafari was a member of, and the head of, really, they are vegans, and so they don't consume any animal products. The point, really, is to respect life and to know that I love life and the other living things love life, too, and to just show respect for that. So not all Rastafari peoples are vegetarian, either. Some of them eat fish. I seriously doubt any eat chicken or beef or anything like that. And another main thing that we cut out is salt. The African slaves were forced to eat a food called saltfish that was a fish that was covered in salt, and that was the main staple of their diet. Cutting out salt is a rejection of that, and it's also believed that a low-sodium diet is better for you also. A lot of doctors probably agree with you there. Let's do the next song, also by Peter Tosh, called Fools Die. I think it stems from a line of Proverbs 10, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Why'd you pick this one to be part of your Song of the Soul? Oh, this song is very special to me. It's very spiritual in in nature, and and even the tune that goes along with it, I I feel, just speaks to my, my soul. It also tells you very important things. You know, the rich man's wealth is in the city, and the poor man's wealth is in a holy place. It's with God, and it's within himself. The style of the music is significantly different than most tunes. I was expecting to hear a reggae, which I identify in a certain way. Is this song reggae? It's got kind of a flute in there and some other music in there that seems very different than anything reggae I've heard. Well, Peter Tosh does what he wants. That's the only reason, the only way I could explain that, really. He'll put whatever music goes good with the lyrics that he's saying. Well, the song that we're going to listen to, Fools Die, you mentioned already that it's a very moving song for you, and I experienced it the same way when I heard it. This idea of jaw creation and the reverence for life that I think is part of what you've been speaking of already, Adam, does that lead to a certain point of view about things like war? Absolutely. We are strictly, like I said before, strictly non-political and strictly non-violent. We're all pacifists. Every single one of us, you just cannot be a Rasta and, and believe that it's acceptable to raise a fist to a person or to, to be violent to a, another living thing. 
does that also mean that the king of Ethiopia, Rastafari, was also opposed to military? I'm just curious how that works because it's very difficult to be a leader of a nation and um, be nonviolent, which, of course, is an issue I've thought about. It's like, how could I be Quaker and how could I be president of the United States? You know, it's a, it's a very good question, actually, because when Rastafari became king of Ethiopia, they were being invaded by Italy, and he had to protect the country. He had to protect his people. He did everything he could to avoid confronting them even after they were within Ethiopian borders, he was doing things like appealing to the League of Nations. He was looking for support from other countries to just tell them to get out. And the rest of the world was ignoring them and, and acting as though Italy wasn't really imposing on them. Eventually, they had to confront him at the front lines and push him out. And it's rather amazing, I think, that Ethiopia being basically in the Middle Ages when Rastafari became king and they had they didn't have any electrical power, they didn't have any cars, and they were able to fight off one of the largest military powers in the world at that time. We're going to listen to a song by Peter Tosh, Fools Die for Want of Wisdom, and you're listening to Song of the Soul. In particular, you're listening to Adam Kirby's Song of the Soul today. Righteous teaches many But fools die for want of wisdom The rich man's wealth is in the city of a soul is vanity destruction of the poor is their poverty the poor man's wealth is in a holy That was Peter Tosh, Fools Die for Want of Freedom. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and you're listening to a Northern Spirit Radio production called Song of the Soul. We're visiting with Adam Kirby as he shares with us the music that is part of his spiritual path and journey and belief. And since he's Rasta, you get a lot of good reggae in there. <laughs> uh, are you into classical music at all? 
I am actually into classical music. I, I own Mozart's Eighth Symphony, and I listen to it on my record player quite often. <laughs> it's reggae of an earlier age, I think. Sure, absolutely. Well, what should we go on to next as far as uh, the music of your spiritual journey? Oh, I think African Herbs Man says a lot for itself. It's a story that Bob Marley put together to remind us of where his people came from and to speak of the African Herbs Man. And what is an African Herbs Man? Oh, I would say that most Rasta people are African herbsmen. An herbsman is somebody who relies on herbs, medicinal herbs, to heal people, to heal himself. And uh, you would look upon an, an African herbsman as similar to a shaman, somebody who uses herbs and also energies to heal people and not just herbs. Is there a specific study of herbs that's carried around as part of this common practice? I mean, did you learn anything that's herbs-related that's part of Rasta? Well, one very specific thing, we, we use cannabis as a sacrament, and it's, it's our most holy and important herb, and medicinally, and we think of it as a, it's something that's good for your body, good for your mind, and very good for your soul. It's spiritual medicine, and it, it's also physical medicine for you. Uh, something's tickling in my memory. Uh, maybe it's something that you said to me earlier, Adam. Did you mention there being three forms of sacraments, perhaps, that are part of Rasta? Well, as far as sacraments, I wouldn't say that there are three, but there are three main tenant beliefs that all Rastas believe in. And, and the first belief is the belief that Rastafari is the rightful ruler. He is the return of Christ. The second is the belief in repatriation, which is the belief that one day African peoples will go back to Africa. European peoples won't be in charge of North America. And what we say is we'll burn down the borders and we'll just live, and, and there won't be any borders between nations or anything like that. And then the third is what we're talking about right now, which is the sacrament of cannabis. And does that mean that there's a proper way to do it? For instance, for Native Americans, uh, smoking the peace pipe, thereby you know, tobacco as a kind of a sacred moment, but there's a way of doing that sacredly, and there's a way of not using tobacco sacredly in our society. Is there anything about it that uh, helps connect it with the intention of Ja? There aren't any specific rules set in place for how, to, how it's to be used. Some Rastas absolutely do not use it in public. Others use it all the time and don't really care. And the only thing... A lot of the times when Rastas get together, we'll sit in a circle around a fire and pass it very similar to how the Native Americans would have done the peace pipe. And a lot of the times we'll say a prayer just before we consume and then pass it and say a prayer as we pass it as well. I don't think that's the kind of herb specifically referred to by Bob Marley in African Herbsman, but maybe it was. Let's listen to Bob Marley's song, African Herbsman. Feeling of tomorrow. Yes, I'll quit. Yeah. Oh. 
Bob Marley performing there. And we're visiting with Adam Kirby, who is Rastafari, and he's sharing with us a lot of things that are really educating me about the religion and about his spiritual journey deeper and deeper. I get the sense that that's continuing. How do you continue that here, Adam, when there aren't other Rastafari around? I try and encourage other people to to express their faith to me and just have an open dialogue between lots of people of many different faiths because, you know, Jah is a universal thing and he doesn't fit into just one religion. And so it's very easy for me to feel comfortable talking to other people about their faiths. Are there certain people that you maybe run into conflict with? From what you told me, Rasta is definitely pacifist-oriented. Now, while that puts you as Rasta and me as Quaker very much in agreement, I think there's a lot of people who say, you know, we've got to defend our country and what about the terrorists and all this kind of thing. When you hold up any idea very clearly, there's usually someone who disagrees with you. Do you end up getting static? Do you get hassled? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I believe I'm I'm very progressive and liberal guy as well, and... When I talk about being pacifists and people, like you said, bring up the terrorists, I kind of get a laugh out of it. Gandhi fought off the entire English empire by being a pacifist, by getting the people behind him to believe in being pacifists and to fight through nonviolent ways. So we don't really need war? Absolutely not. So let's see. Would you like to pick a song that maybe speaks about that? Oh, yeah, I'd like to pick a song called War from Bob Marley. Something to note about this song, the main lyrics of this song were were actually taken from a speech written by Rastafari. That's part of why I I believe it to be an important song to me is because it's words that he took straight from Rastafari and and put into his music. Do you want to share some of those words? Uh, Would you, I mean, the kind of things that are really inspirational to you? I love the part where it speaks that until there is no longer first-class or second-class citizens of any nation, and until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes, there will still be conflict throughout the world. Because until we we see each other as equals, we're going to fight amongst each other. It's certainly something that I can get behind and support. The song is actually a medley of songs, War, No More Trouble, and Bob Marley performing for us. Until the philosophy which all one race superior and another inferior is finally and permanently 
that was War, Bob Marley. Something about the language that I've been meaning to ask you, Adam, is besides the Jamaican accent and besides whatever Ethiopian roots that Rasta has, there's some particular use of language about I or you or we. Could you explain that to the folks? Well, in Rastafari, we, we do try and separate ourselves from, from mainstream society, and so we've chosen to, to change our language a little bit, too. I'll say, I and I, which can mean many things. It means I and I, the second I would be the God within yourself. Or you can say I and I, which could be mean I and you, the person in front of you or the person next to you. And you can also say I and I, meaning I and all the people who are God's children. And how can you tell which I and I you're speaking of? It mostly depends on the context and the sentence that it's used in, and sometimes it's just difficult to tell. <laughs> so in typical Rastafarian expression, is there also just a, a single I ever? There's never a single I because God's always a part of you. Okay. Let's go on to the last song that you selected by Israel Vibration again. Jaw Runnings. What's it about, and why did you pick it? Well, what it's about is, is you know, Jaw kind of run things here on Earth. We believe that when it comes down to things, uh, God controls most of, of what goes on. We all have our own individuality, our own freedom of choice. But there's a certain natural mystic that's going through the wind, and there's something in there other than just the wind blowing by, and, and that's God, I believe. In this song... It mentions about the unity of the Christian Muslims and the Jews. Ethiopia, as far as Africa goes, is a very different country. The mixture there of Muslim and Christian and Jew seems to be much more harmonious than any other place I've seen in the world. Well, you know, one of the very first things Rastafari did was he granted all his people the right to freedom of religion. He only became king because the person who was in line to become king switched to the Islamic faith, and people didn't want him there. The, the king, who was the father, didn't want an Islamic person to become king either. Rastafari, being just once removed, was who was next in line. If that guy was unable to take the throne, Rastafari was then next in line. And one of the first things he did was he granted all people's freedom of religion. He says, you can't judge the faith of others because you cannot judge the ways of God. Sounds totally true. Jaw Runnings is the song. Israel Vibration is the group performing it. And we're still riding now the brand new album Fighting Soda, but this cut named Jaron Things, because watch this. I know it's only Jaw make the rain fall, only Jaw make the breeze blow, and Jaw the sun shine. So most obviously Jaron Things. Ride it!
Yahoo's Jaw Runnings, Israel Vibration. I'm glad that you were able to share with us here today, Adam. And I'm glad that Eau Claire's got at least one very clear Rasta to help spread some more of the light around. Thank you very much, Mark. That was one of the fine employee owners of an Eau Claire, Wisconsin business called Just Local Food. His name is Adam Kirby, and he was my guest for today's Song of the Soul. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy Letting the light It will heal you And you can feel you And sing out a song of the soul Time.